Environmentalism One of the central dividing lines between paganism and biblical faith is its concept of responsibility. Paganism placed responsibility essentially in man's environment, in the stars, fate, or some like concept, whereas the Bible very clearly declared the individual to be responsible and morally culpable for his acts. When David said, I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me, against thee, thee only have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight. Psalm 51, 3 and 4. He spoke in moral terms, and in a spirit very alien to pagan antiquity. The mature concepts of paganism exalted fortune and chance and left the individual a product of blind forces. As Cochrane pointed out in discussing the new view of history introduced into the Roman Empire by Christianity, But if this be history, it is history in a sense wholly without parallel in secular literature. For it is neither economic, nor cultural, nor political, local and particularist, or general and cosmopolitan. It deals neither with problems of war and peace, nor with those of competition and cooperation. And it does not concern itself in the least with the search for causes. What it offers is an account of human freedom, its original loss through the first atom and its ultimate recovery through the second. This it presents in the form of a cosmic drama. But the drama is not Promethean. It tells no story of virtue in conflict with chance or necessity. For, with the disappearance from Christian thought of the classical antithesis between man and environment, there disappears also the possibility of such a conflict. The destiny of man is indeed determined, but neither by a soulless mechanism nor by the fiat of an arbitrary or capricious power external to himself. For the laws which govern physical, like those which govern human nature, are equally the laws of God. Greek thought, however, persisted in the church, and the result was a revival of environmentalism, or rather a persistence of it. With the Renaissance, the humanistic impulses gained renewed force, and environmentalism regained ascendancy. In Shakespeare, the Christian and the pagan perspectives are both in evidence, with priority often given to the pagan. Romeo and Juliet is a case in point. Its prologue declares, From forth the fatal loins of these two foes, a pair of star-crossed lovers take their life. In this perspective, heredity is also a part of a hostile environment. Shakespeare speaks of the fatal loins, a heredity which determines and dooms, as well as star-crossed lovers, a pair doomed by their total environment to frustration and death. In Julius Caesar, on the other hand, a modified Christian view appears in Cassius, who observes, Men at some times are masters of their fates. The fault, dear Brutus, is not in our stars, but in ourselves, that we are underlings. Act 1, Scene 2. The framework is still fate, not God, but responsibility is asserted as against the stars. It is apparent how alien a book the Bible was to the pagan world, and also how joyful a word. James declared, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Came they not hence? even of your lusts that war in your members? James 4.1 James's statement was an indictment of every belief of paganism about responsibility. While more than a few pagan writers speak about the individual's responsibility, such statements are set in the context of an ultimate perversity or indifference on the part of the universe to man. Man's responsibility thus becomes a personal nobility set in the context of a basic meaninglessness. In a world in which even the gods pass and go, Man's insistence on responsibility becomes only bravado. The world is alien to responsibility for such a faith. Even more, James's statement was good news. 
If wars and fightings come from man, then man has the capacity to cope with these problems and to overcome them. The case of wars and fightings is not an ultimate perversity of being, a malevolence or senselessness in the universe, but rather a moral failure in man. If the moral failure is in man, then man's moral conduct can overcome the failure. This is good news. It offers hope to man. Not only so, but James declares where that moral strength can be found. But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. James 4, 6-7 The question is often raised as to how God's predestination can be reconciled with man's responsibility. The pagan belief in an indifferent universe meant that man's responsibility was meaningless because there was neither meaning nor accountability in the universe. Purpose and reward had no place in the ultimate order of things for the mature pagan. And, as a result, man's only hope against the unknown was chance or luck. The minds of men were dominated, according to Cochrane, by a haunting fear of the unknown. This mood governed the ideologists of classical antiquity, and, in this fear we may see an explanation of many of the most characteristic phenomena of classical and post-classical times. To begin with, it serves to account for the steady and persistent growth of a belief in luck. Throughout the whole world, declares Pliny, in every place at all times, fortune alone is named and invoked by the voices of all. She alone is accused and put in the dock. She is the sole object of our thoughts, our praise, and our abuse. This belief, juvenile, was to single out as one of the most significant aspects of contemporary vice, and he denounced it in various satires, notably the 15th. The evil of this superstition was, of course, that it utterly denied the reality of human freedom and responsibility reducing men to the status of mere automata. If chance governs on the level of ultimacy, it governs on the level of the immediate. If the gods are governed by chance, then men are also governed by chance. Similarly, if God, as scripture declares, governs absolutely on the eternal level and on every level as the sovereign personality and creator, then man, on the level of time, created in the image of God, governs as a responsible person and an agent of God. What God does is an expression of his being, and what man does is an expression of his being. The self-determination and universal determination or predestination of all things by God is as the first and absolute cause, whereas the self-determination of man and his determination of time and history is as a secondary cause. Man has the freedom of a secondary cause only because of the existence, freedom, and sovereignty of the first cause, the triune God. Cochrane said of the biblical faith that it does not concern itself in the least with the search for causes. It is not concerned with the pointless questions about heredity, environment, the stars, or any other like search for a cause. The pagan search for causes is a denial of the person and also of responsibility. The individual is reduced to a reflex action. A cause is located and the person is then simply an effect. In the biblical perspective, God and man are causes, not effects. Rather, they are more than causes. They are responsible persons. The pagan view of causality reduced causality to blind and necessary process. In this process, the first cause was ancient and remote, and hence essentially unrelated to the present consequence except as the first of a series. In the biblical perspective, God as the absolute person not only created all things in the beginning, but also sustains and absolutely governs them at all times. Providence thus replaces process, 
in an omnipotent and omnipresent person replaces the first cause of a series of causes. This means that man's true, ultimate, and always basic environment is God, and the motive force of man's morality and freedom is his relationship to God. Very plainly, then, talk of heredity and environment obscures the basic issue. It deals with dangerous half-truths and ignores the basic fact that man is not a product, but a producer. Not an effect, essentially, but a cause. And more than that, a person. Environmentalism depersonalizes man, and it also makes him passive rather than active. To return to James's statement concerning wars and fighting, they are not a product of the environment, but of man. Neither an impersonal environment nor a personal environment in the form of a conspiracy is to be blamed for our wars and fighting. Whatever the world around us may contribute to the problem, the root cause is in man. Come they not hence, even of your lusts that war in your members? In this fact rests our hope. It is not a world we must cope with, but ourselves, and God is ready to give grace to the humble. In any case, we are and always will be creatures but creatures made in the image of God. The humanist sees man as an evolutionary product, a blob, a being without essence who can become a god. On both counts, the humanist is wrong. Man is neither a product with only being and no essence, nor is he a god in the making. The purpose of both alternatives is to deny God. Their effect is also to deny man.